This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. It is the live Saturday edition, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, that number, 800-259-9231. It is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features that we've got there because they're completely free. You know those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for their websites. And we give it away for you. freetalklive.com com is where you go to get it. All right, so to start things out here tonight, uh, I was pretty stunned when I saw this, and I guess I guess it's to be expected, uh, considering the things that we've seen happen in the past year here in America, earlier in this year, and I believe actually last year as well, in 2005, there have been a couple of different court cases that have dealt with um, confidential sources informants for uh, for newspaper people. Um, for instance, there was that uh, Judith Miller, I believe it was, from right. the New York Times. There was a guy out in uh, out on the West Coast, I think in Washington, who took some footage at a uh, at a protest, and the police wanted to get his, uh, their hands on his footage. And these cases went to court, and the judges basically, in, in, in both of the cases, as, as I recall, they ruled that these individuals must give up their sources, must give up their information... Or they're going to face time in jail. And the woman from the New York Times did face, uh, did spend time in jail. I don't know what's going on with the case in Washington right now. With a guy with a footage, he had footage of somebody who was allegedly vandalizing a police car or something like that, or or somehow tipping a police car over, or something like that. And uh, he didn't want to turn it over to the police. It all has a sort of uh, not freedom of the press feel to it. Yeah, it's really been a chilling on the freedom of the press here in the United States, because it seems to me that as a newspaper person, as a journalist, you should have the freedom to not speak. I mean, if you have the freedom to speak, then you should have the freedom to not speak and protect your sources. If you've got somebody who's giving you information on a confidential basis, it should remain that way. And a court order shouldn't turn that around. I mean, there's reasons why the uh, Founding Fathers wrote the First Amendment the way they did. I mean, they thought that it was important for not only individuals to be able to speak out, but, uh, but to also put their opinions in print uh, as the press. To and, and, of course, we know the press has expanded from print these days. It's no longer just print, which is what it was in the 1700s. Now it's radio and television and now blogs even. Um, if it's you expressing your opinion in some sort of a media format, it's press, in my opinion. And I think that uh, that it still deserves to be protected, even in this time of terrorism, right? I mean, that's the excuse that the uh, government is using. Well, this is a national situation. It's an emergency. This is a war on terror, and uh, the rules changed after 9-11 is what they say. But I don't think that the Constitution has changed, and I don't think that the Bill of Rights has changed, and I still think that... Freedom of speech is pretty darn important. So I've been pretty outraged by these cases that have come up over the past uh, couple years where courts are punishing journalists and others for just withholding information from them. I understand you've got yourself a grand jury and everything, but that doesn't override my freedom to not speak. You know, I understand why the government feels it needs to protect its uh, interests Mm -hmm. because the government's gotten so large and has so many interests, that's why this issue comes up. If, if uh, for instance, uh, you know, a reporter writes something about uh, you know, the war on terror and the government wants to, to censor that, or um, the dealings with Iran or, or something like that, 
Well, if the government wasn't meddling in every other country's business, which I don't see that it has any role, um, you know, having we us having uh, troops in 131 nations, I don't see there's any reason for that. I don't see that the um, any reason for the government to have uh, the kind of um, extracurricular um, sort of foreign uh, adventurism that we mm-hmm. have going on. And if it wasn't for those kind of things, this issue wouldn't be coming up. So really the issue is the size of government. That is absolutely uh, the issue. And what I was so surprised at today was something that happened in the New York Times. Now, I know you're listening, you're, you're thinking, uh, well, the New York Times is a liberal paper, blah, blah, blah. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter what their political bent is. They may indeed be a liberal paper. But I don't think that means that they deserve to have their uh, content censored. No, I don't think so either. I don't That's think that... what happened. They censored the New York Times. I'm looking at it right now. They blacked out an article. The CIA, the White House, blacked out an article that was going to be published in the New York Times. You can't read the whole thing. It's Yeah, it looks like uh, somebody took a big black magic marker and just X'd out the stuff you're not allowed to read. There's no excuse for this sort of behavior in the United States of America. In a place, in a country where there's supposed to be freedom of speech and freedom of the press, to have a, a paper have to go through some sort of an approval process before they can publish a story? I find it very disturbing. And then when the story is published, to have blacked out portions? According to Flint Leverett and Hillary Mann at the New York Times, I'm not going to read this whole article because it's pretty dry, but they're explaining what happened here. They present the article, and we'll link to this on our bulletin board system so you can see it for yourself because it's outrageous. I would agree. They say, here is the redacted version of a draft op-ed article, so an opinion piece, that's Mm -hmm. what an op-ed is, that we wrote for the New York Times, as blacked out by the Central Intelligence Agency's Publication Review Board after the White House intervened in the normal pre-publication review process and demanded substantial deletions. Agency officials told us that they had concluded on their own that the original draft included no classified material, but that they had to bow to the White House. Now, I'm actually a little bit concerned that there's a pre-publication review process, because when I first read that phrase, I thought, Oh, well, that means that it's the editor of the paper who's looking over the article, and they're mm-hmm. just reviewing the article. But it's, it makes it sound like, in this article here, it makes it sound like there is some sort of a review process that the New York Times goes through with the CIA. Like when they're public, getting ready to publish a sensitive story, they'll send it to the CIA to make sure everything's uh, copacetic. Is all of our, is all of our news uh, filtered by the CIA? I find I mean, it hard to believe. There's not that. There's... Um, you know, national news basically comes from a few sources. There's not that many. The, you know, the major newspapers write, you know, national stories, and mm-hmm. of course the Associated Press, and then of course Reuters comes in, and they take a few articles from the BBC, that kind of thing. But I, it would seem to me like local papers obviously wouldn't have to go through that process. Right. Well, they're certainly they're not in- writing. Uh, um, you know, news that's, uh, they don't have that kind of uh, information. Right. Well, there's local papers. There's also independent news groups out there, and I'm sure they don't go through that process. Maybe what's going on is if, for, here's my hypothesis, and if you've got an idea, 800-259-9231, maybe you worked at one of these big newspapers and you can explain exactly what's going on here. But I think that maybe it's like with the uh, the military in Hollywood. For instance, if you're making a Hollywood movie, and you want to use military tanks and weaponry and that sort of thing. Aeroplanes. Right. You have to submit the script to the military, 
And if the military says, yes, this, uh, this movie paints us in a positive light, yes, we will go ahead and grant you uh, access to our men and our equipment and all that. But if the script doesn't paint the military in a positive light, then the military will demand a rewrite on the script, or else they just won't let you use their tanks and stuff. And you'll have to, like, rent tanks from private owners. That I, sort can't, of thing. I can't imagine um, how many people signed up for the Navy and the Air Force based on Top Gun. I mean, I, I imagine it was a huge number. Right, right. So, essentially, um, I'm thinking the same thing is going on here, where, for instance, the New York Times, big major newspaper, wants to get access to spokespeople from the CIA to get comments on stories from time to time. Well, if you want the CIA to um, give you information in the future, then you have to submit any sensitive stories to us for approval. I see. So, sort of like a voluntary censorship sort of thing. That's just my um, hypothesis, and I would like to know if you know uh, if you know more at 800-259-9231. But the article, uh, the writers of the article go on to say that the, de- the, the deleted portions of the original draft reveal no classified material. The passages go into aspects of American-Iranian relations during the Bush administration's first term that have been publicly discussed by people like Condoleezza Rice, Colin Powell, and, and a few others. So they're pointing out that the information that was censored, for some reason, is all public anyway, so they're a little confused. It's probably just not as attractive to the White House as the White House would like. Yeah, and, and it's what's shocking is that I'm looking at a major newspaper in the United States with blacked-out paragraphs in an article that they, tried to, that they are publishing. What has it come to in this country? What sort of a, pl- a place are we living in? What do you think about this happening? Can you make an excuse for censorship in America? 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You take control. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. Saturday edition, Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231, and you can join us on our website, at freetalklive.com, we've got archives, an entire year's worth of the show, right there on the front page of the site, easily downloadable for your listening convenience, and it's free at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th. Get registered now. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnark, and many more of the most influential libertarians in America will be there. freestateproject.org slash libertyforum for more information. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Still trying to uh, come to grips with, understand, uh, and process what I came across just before the show tonight. This is uh, apparently fairly recent news. I believe it happened yesterday. And what has gone on is censorship right here in the United States. Uh, The White House, the CIA, apparently cleared an article for publication with the New York Times. I don't understand why it is that the New York Times is submitting articles for this uh, to be cleared by the CIA. That's yet to been explained. But the CIA cleared it. The White House stepped in and told them, no, you can't publish this. We're going to redact some stuff out of it. They're going to cross it out. They've got the black marks. You know, It's just like, you, like a top-secret paper or something. You see the black marks through the paragraphs? This went into the – this was published. I mean, wh- what is going on here, Americans? Do you even know that this is happening in your country? Do you believe me? Do you think this is like a an early April Fool's prank? Do you believe that something like this could happen in precious America? In America, the land of the free, where you know, the home of the brave? Apparently, there aren't very many brave people at the New York Times. 
And maybe this is understandable because earlier, was it last year, Judith Miller of the New York Times was uh, on, uh, in court because she wouldn't reveal her sources. She ended up spending time in jail over that. And it made me wonder, you know, obviously this is pretty, this is a scary concept. The idea that journalists are now going to be, uh, are now being threatened with jail time for not revealing their confidential sources. How is this going to play down the line as uh, the government continues to want to uh, suppress freedom of speech? I mean, if... Uh, what was the suggestion? I guess the editor of the New York Times, maybe they're sort of scared of the government at this point. Well, you know? I, I think you outlined it maybe um, last segment is that they they realize that if they're going to get this the information that they've been spoon fed so far from the CIA, um, that they're going to have to continue to play by the CIA's rules. It's not that they're being forced mm-hmm. not to print it. It's that they're being told, look. You can't print this um, if you. Or we won't continue. be friendly towards right. you. Our relationship will change. But so. I think it might be even worse than that. I mean, these people are dirty. The government, uh, these government bureaucrats, the CIA, and they've been dirty in the Clinton administration, and they've been dirty in the Bush administration. They're just bad people, in my opinion. And I have a feeling that there's more than just, oh, well, we're not going to comment on your stories in the future. I have a feeling that uh, the editors and the people behind the scenes at these newspapers may have some sort of threats going on. You know, well, we're going to shut down your newspaper. Or we're, who knows what the threats are like behind the scenes? I, I, because I don't know. it seems I mean, it's really just speculation. It's it's total speculation, but it seems really cowardly uh, for something like this to happen. Like if if the CIA was going to redact portions of my uh, my article, I would just uh, print an article just attacking the CIA for how scummy they are. And I think this is absolutely despicable. Whoever it is that's behind the scenes here pulling the strings is uh, is pathetic. And and it's really just amazing that it's going on right here in front of Americans' noses. It's, and it's certainly ugly. It's it's I you know when I see these black lines going through this article, xing out portions that they don't want Americans to see. Uh, do we live in Moscow? It it just uh, I I don't think Moscow has does that kind of thing anymore. Well, that's what I mean, old Moscow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, is that where just, we're living? It's really bizarre. I mean, it's it's kind of sick and weird. And. What do you have to say about this, America? 800-259-9231. Maybe there's somebody out there with an excuse for this, because the article was about Iran. And I guess the idea was that there's some sensitive information in there that uh, the White House didn't want anybody to read. But then the New York Times prints another article that says, well, all this information's public, and then they link to their sources... So you can go and look at the sources and dig through those and find the same information that's been blacked out. Mm-hmm. Of course, you don't know specifically what information has been blacked out, but they're pointing out that the information is public, that they were reprinting. It's just that the White House didn't want it all reprinted in that particular article in that way. Didn't like it. Yep. And it's going on right now. And, and, it, and if it's happening once, it can happen again. And under what circumstances will it happen again? Can you come up with a, I don't know, a reason why censorship is appropriate in the land of the free? Can you come up with an excuse for this behavior? I would like to hear it. Maybe I've just overlooked something. You know, 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. You can also bring up whatever you want. You know, um, my I, I have certainly heard people say that the government needs to be able to keep secrets, um, you know, state secrets from uh, it, the citizens, citizenry, because obviously if I know, then... Some terrorist guy could know. Well, if the government wants to keep state secrets, then it needs to keep its secrets. Uh, 
if the secret gets out, then we should be able to publish that information. Mm. And we should be able to talk about it. So if they're so if their security is so lousy, right? I mean, if they're that, I mean, these are the people that are keeping us safe. Right. They can't keep this information that they want restricted. They they you know they can't keep it out of the newspapers. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, let's talk to because you can't take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. It's Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. What's on your mind, Matt? Hey guys. Hey man. I think that this article that you're talking about tonight was written by an ex-CIA agent. Okay. And he submitted it to the CIA. The CIA said, yeah, there's nothing, um, what do you call it, top secret or secret about this stuff. Go ahead and print it. It's the fact that the White House stepped in and, right. and, and, and added it. That's what, that's what really worries the New York Times, I think. And that's why they, they put this out and show people, hey, this is what the White House is doing. This is the, the Bush administration. Uh, the stuff was already, you know. But why didn't they it print it anyway? Thing. Why didn't they go ahead and print the unedited version? I understand I they're trying to out the uh, the White House and say, look, look, they're they're censoring our articles. But look, you're allowing them to censor your articles. What's going on here? I can't answer that question. I just, like I said, I think that you know it's it's important to realize that the the guy, the the reporter, the guy that wrote the article is an ex CIA person. It's not like if you or I wrote an article like that that they were going to censor it. Is this uh, as spooky uh, to you as it is to me? Yeah, I think it's, you know, this it, it doesn't surprise me at all. This has been going on for years. It's just coming out right now. People are beginning to find out about it. Yeah, it's oh. pretty uh, it's pretty scary stuff. So did you have anything else on your mind tonight, Matt? Yeah, I wanted to talk. Last night you guys were talking about uh, 12-step programs. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't able to listen to the show until after it was done. Uh, and then I, I wouldn't listen to it. Um, right. Anyway, I wanted to kind of back up Mark, what Mark was saying. I've been to a couple of meetings. I've never been to the uh, uh, the formal meetings, only the ones that are open to the public, mm-hmm. and uh, listened to some f- pretty scary stories. And they don't push any particular religion. But they, they do, do push a god, right? They don't worship God. It's like Mark says. They say a higher power. What yeah. higher power is up to you? So if I mean, if you want, you could you could consider. Um, uh, I see what the you're saying. Itself and, uh, the I, I see what you're saying. It still seems a little disempowering to me um, because I believe I'm in control of my own actions, and that's what they teach against, as I understand it. Matt, thanks for the call. More's on the way. You take control. Coming up, executions on Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. It is the Saturday edition, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, including the wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. There's uh, over 900 pages created by listeners like you, and you can go there and edit it, uh, edit it yourself at wiki, W-I-K-I dot freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area collections? SACL CAI does collections, and they do it in a whole new way. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. 
SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. All right, so I'm actually a little bit surprised that nobody had anything to say about censorship going on right here in the United States. Maybe people are just so stunned. Maybe they're just uh, finding it hard to believe what it is that we're saying. But uh, you can go to our bulletin board system later on tonight, and you can see it for yourself. And I hope that you weep for the First Amendment, because it's we're losing it here in this country. We're losing all of our freedoms little by little. They're yeah. just taking a little here and a little over there, and uh, eventually you're not even going to be able to speak out anymore in America. That's that's how it goes, you know, um, just step by step. It doesn't all go at once. And they're all doing it together. The Republicans are working hand-in-hand hand with the Democrats in order to destroy your freedoms. That's what's happening I here. would agree. Well, let's move on to uh, the jail cells of America, Mark, and executions. What do you got for us? Um, from... Vindy.com, that's a, a newspaper article, um, Columbus, Ohio, the, Atter- the Ohio's Attorney General Office has appealed a ruling by a federal judge Thursday that postpones the January 23rd execution of uh, Kenneth Brios. Brios is convicted in 1991 of, commi- of killing Tammy Ingstrom of Hubbard, um, joined a civil rights lawsuit late, last, uh, late this year that says lethal injection as a method of carrying out the death penalty is cruel and unusual punishment. Judge uh, Gregory L. Frost of the Southern District of Ohio granted an emergency preliminary injunction Thursday that uh, stayed Brios' execution until further um, order from the court. The the Attorney General Office filed a one-paragraph notice of appeal Friday. Um, In his ruling, Judge Frost noted that Brios' um, attorneys presented evidence from the states of Florida and California regarding problems this month with recent lethal injections that have placed executions on hold. Florida um, Governor Jeb Bush ordered the suspension of executions in Florida after an execution that took 34 minutes and required a second injection to kill the murderer Angel Nieves Diaz. Um, This is a Puerto Rican guy that they just uh, took a long time to kill him here in Florida, or there in Florida, I should say. I used to live there. (laughs) Also, a federal judge ruled in California that California must overhaul its lethal injection procedures because its current procedures may inflict unaccessible levels of pain. Um, Judge Frost wrote that there's a growing body of evidence calling Ohio's lethal injection protocol increasingly into question. I think he's right about that. Um, from what I've seen with this lethal injection stuff, it's pretty terrible. You know what happens to people? I don't. I don't know if that's not really where I approach this issue um, from. I when I think of uh, the executions, the execution of people that are guilty, it really doesn't bother me um, how it is that they get executed. Mm-hmm. What bothers me is that. Um, since 1973, when they, I believe they brought back the uh, death penalty, and it's somewhere around there, 71 to 73, I, um, there have been 123 people released from death row in across America. There's different, yeah. 50 different def- death rows, and actually 51 if you count the federal death row. Um, and that means 123 people exonerated. Um, Vindicated. Some some of them were pardoned by governors, but um, in the vast, vast, vast majority of them were exonerated because they were convicted, um, you know, with crappy evidence, mm-hmm. and they were let go. How many people have we executed in the United States since 1973 that didn't get let off death row that were innocent? That's an excellent question. We had 123 people on death row, and we let them out yeah. because they were not guilty. Clearly. What about the ones that didn't make it off? How many of them were not guilty that we executed? How will we ever know? We'll never. There's no way to tell, right? And, I mean, 
if, probably at least one. If we as maybe a, more. You know, if we were able to if we were able to prove that um in fact somebody was innocent that was executed now that no one is ever going to dig into this inter- information. Sure. If we were able to prove that somebody who was innocent was executed, should the jury all nine of them be killed? Be put to death? Should the judge? Should That's the prosecuting attorney? Should the police? I mean, I'm just, one, killed I'm just an wondering innocent man. That's what they did. They right. killed an innocent man. Now, they did it through the mechanizations of the government. They used the government and this um, you know, legal system that we have in place, but those people were responsible for someone's death. That's true, but the government sort of uh, abdicates them of that responsibility. Absolutely it does. There is no responsibility. Once, once the government's involved, there's no responsibility to anyone for anything. And I've just, I just wonder what listeners think. I mean, do you support the death penalty? You if know, so, there's a lot of people out there that support the absolutely. death penalty. Absolutely. I, I know there are. I was one of them once. But then I realized that the reason that I support the death penalty is because I don't want to see innocent people killed. And the death penalty is killing innocent people. It seems pretty... I mean, based there, on what I have you no, said here... I have no direct evidence, right. but I have some um, circumstantial evidence that I can point to that it seems, seems really solid. obvious to yeah. me. Yeah. It seems... I mean, you know, what you're saying, I think we should have a death penalty just as soon as human beings are perfect and we won't need one. Until then, let's put them in a, like a death row situation where they never get at any contact with any other um, individuals. I can't say this is letting them go. They're not getting off scot-free. They're sitting in a cell for the rest of their lives. Now, that's expensive to society. Now, you know, maybe we can figure out some way to have them do something that uh, would would pay for their stay there so that they could uh, perhaps um, even some point, uh, you know, give some uh, reciprocity back to the victims, you know, the, the family yeah. that, of the person that, that, that was killed. But I think first and foremost, we need to set up a system that doesn't execute innocent people. If you think it's okay, if you, when you're looking at the death penalty and you're, and you're listening to what Mark's saying and you're telling yourself, well, we should still have death penalty because there's bad people out there. We're going to put them to death. Well, how many innocent people killed how many dead innocent people does it take before you would finally say yeah maybe this whole death penalty thing not such a great idea because people innocent people are being put to death based on the numbers that you gave me mm-hmm. i think it's pretty fair to extrapolate that concept and say that the death penalty is resulting in men and women probably mostly men but men who probably have families and friends and uh, who had a life at one time just having all of that taken away from them and having that individual taken out of those people's lives is bad enough that they were taken out and set in a jail cell, but now there's no coming back. Because at least if you get that DNA evidence come out and uh, it, it exonerates you, at least you can walk away from the jail cell. Yeah, you, le- you missed 15 years of your life or whatever, 10 years of your life, but you still are sucking air. Right. I mean, these are people who are, are dead. They're not coming back. Is that okay with you? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you think that that's that it's a good idea to put some innocent people to death in order so that some guilty people can die, because that's essentially what the deal is right now. And I don't feel bad about guilty people dying. I really don't. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of cases out there where it just seems like horrifying, terrible things that these people have done. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, what if it wasn't them? What if it wasn't? I mean, you know, when you think about uh, the 123rd inmate freed from death row since 1973, John Ballard, um, the Florida Supreme Court unanimously overturned the conviction of death row inmate um, John Robert Ballard 
um, ordered his acquittal in the 1999 murder of two of his acquaintances. The court concluded that the evidence against Ballard was so weak, the trial judge should have dismissed the case immediately. Oh, my. The primar- um, primary evidence presented against Ballard was a hair and a fingerprint, both of which he could have um, left during his many visits to the victim's apartment. Bloody fingerprints and a hundred other hair samples were found associated with the crime scene. None of them belonged to Ballard. So there were a hundred different hairs there from a hundred different people um, and one from him. Wow. And there were bloody fingerprints at the scene, and they weren't his. But somehow, somehow this guy got convicted. convicted. And this is the system that executes people. This guy was on death row. He was going to die for the um, 1990-99 murders. How could anyone get penalty? Really? How could anyone agree with that? How? If you do, I would like to have you explain it at 800-259-9231. That is the toll-free number, and you can take control of the airwaves, bring up anything. But seriously, if you support the death penalty, please explain. 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show, live Saturday edition. We are not taking the weekend off because it's Christmas weekend. We're actually here with you. It's Ian here. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are totally free, so do enjoy those. They are on us. That is freetalklive.com. And don't forget to help support the show. Easy way to do it is to go over and dig Free Talk Live. Go to dig, D-I-G-G, dig.freetalklive.com. And if you misspell it, that'll work too. I set it up so either way works. Uh, But go to dig.freetalklive.com, get registered for a dig account, and then dig the show. You just click a button, and it it increases our uh, dig count, which means that more people will come across freedom and liberty and discover Free Talk Live, because um, the more digs we have, the higher we are on the dig.com ranking of podcasts, because we're one of the more popular podcasts in the world, but Dig just released this new podcast ranking system. We're a few days behind the ball on the competition, so we need as many digs as possible. D-I-G-G, dig.freetalklive.com. Great way to help support the show, considering we don't charge anything for the features on the website, which there's a lot of features on that website. Sure It's all for free. Uh, dig.freetalklive.com. All right, so let's go to the phones to the fun. Kaifo in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Hello. Kaifo is gone. Alrighty then. Well, um, so we were talking about uh, we were talking about the death penalty, and you're pointing out, Mark, that the there have been over 120 people, 123 um, released uh, since 1973. That's around 25 states, the country, mm-hmm. and these are individuals who were innocent of the crimes that they had allegedly convicted, um, been uh, well, they had allegedly convicted or committed rather, and been convicted for. Mm-hmm. And, and sat on death row for. Sat on death row for a number of years, many of them, uh, what, as long as 17 years in some cases, I some, think? Yeah, they're, they're, you know, far longer than I can imagine. DNA evidence uh, exonerating them, allowing them to get out, and you're you're just coming on the air essentially saying, we don't need this death penalty. I don't think we do. I, I don't think that um, it's... It's I, barbaric. Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, I don't know whether... Eye for an eye! I don't know about barbaric. I Here's what I I think. Death penalty is fine as soon as we're perfect. As soon as you're not going to mess up and, and uh, execute an innocent individual, and I, the cops mess I up all the time. I understand why somebody would want um, the killer of their mother or whomever executed. I totally get that. But you know, you may not be right. How do you know it's your mother's killer? Only if you saw it happen, I suppose. I suppose. Um, you know, I mean that, that that's one thing. But uh, you know, they they even say that eyewitnesses aren't 100% reliable. It's true. 
There's a variety of factors there. Anyway, just wanted to hear from somebody who supported the death penalty on that one. 800-259-9231. Otherwise, we'll move on. The Associated Press, uh, President George W. Bush, signed into, into law a $38 million grant program to preserve... You're not going to believe this, Mark. The notorious internment camps where Japanese Americans were kept behind barbed wire during World War II. They want to preserve those? 38 million taxpayer dollars. See, now, if they want to preserve them, if, like, the Japanese interred, interned Japanese citizen society wants to, uh, wants to um, keep those things, I'm fine with the federal government giving them the land mm-hmm. so that they can maintain these things, so they can turn them into a tourist uh, um, you know, situation where people come Awareness, and take a look. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. The idea of spending tax dollars on it and ha- turning it into a federal thing? No, that's a bad idea. The money will be administered by the National Park Service to restore and pay for research at 10 camps. The objective of the law is to help preserve the camps as reminders of how the United States turned on some of its citizens in a time of fear. Now, I, again, I'm all, I'm all for um, reminding people how despicable this government is uh, and was certainly back in the day, but I don't think that we need to be taxing people in order to do it. The camps housed more than 120,000 Japanese-American U.S. citizens and residents under an executive order signed by President Franklin Roosevelt in 1942 when the country was in shock over the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, as though uh, the Japanese-Americans had anything to do with it. At the time, there were fears that Japanese-Americans were loyal to Japan, and Roosevelt's order prohibited such people from living on the West Coast in It's sort of like Muslim-Americans now. It is almost exactly like that, except without the camps. Yeah. Thank God they're not in camps. Yet. Um, But, you know, how many people... I've got to say, to some extent, even I do. When I see somebody who I know is Muslim, I'm kind of like, hmm, wonder. Really? Why would you be that way? How do they feel about 9-11? Okay. What... You're just wondering how they feel about it? Yeah, I just wonder. I mean, I I don't feel that the Muslim-American community is uh, sympathetic enough for what happened on, I mean, on uh, 9-11. I I don't, I haven't heard a lot. Um, I hear a lot of defensive statements like, we're being mistreated. I don't hear a lot of um, conciliatory statements like, you know, what happened here is terrible, reprehensible, and we stand with you, America. Well, I think those statements came out in 2001. Do you, how, how often should they reissue the statements so you can hear them, Mark? Well, um, I think that they should reissue them every time they issue some kind of statement saying, we're being discriminated against, but we stand with you, America, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, they're just doing bad PR is what I'm saying. So they believed that, I guess, the, the paranoia back then was that the Japanese citizens living on the West Coast were somehow in a position to possibly help an invading force out so thousands of families in California and parts of Washington State, Oregon, and Arizona were pushed from their homes and into camps surrounded by armed guards. And I remember we were at the uh, the Talkers Convention for Talk Radio People uh, this summer, and Walter, I believe his last name is, no, no, who was that guy that, that, that spoke? The guy from Star Trek, Mr. Sulu. Yes. I don't remember his, his, I don't remember uh, his name either. His real name. Mr. Sulu. Mr. <laughs> Sulu was there, and, uh, and he was in one of those camps. He and his family were in one of those camps, and uh, his speech was just so moving, and it was, it was so sad that something like that happened in the United States. So I understand the, uh, the impetus to keep the camps around as a historical sort of a thing. George Takai. George Takai, thank you for that. Uh, but I don't think that uh, tax dollars need to go to pay for it. If you've got thoughts on that, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line. You can take control of the airways. Let's try Kaifo again in Indianapolis, listening on WXNT. Hello, Kaifo. Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, 
Sorry, I had to go deliver a pizza there real quick. So, awesome. Uh, um, I wanted to horn in on that uh, free speech uh, issue. Yeah, the uh, New York Times censoring uh, or allowing one of their articles to be censored by the government. Uh, I hate to I hate to to throw water on any uh, hatred or hostility toward the government, but uh, the New York Times never had the uncensored uh, version to begin with. The guy that wrote the uh, the op-ed piece was, in fact, as the fellow from Indian, in Illinois stated. Uh, a former employee of the CIA, and the CIA, of course, they, you have to sign an agreement saying that anything you want to publish will be vetted by them. I the see. The CIA said that it was going to be okay, and then the White House jumped in and told their, their agency, said, no, no, we're not going to let this pass because it's uh, critical. The guy could probably win on a... Uh, uh, on litigation on that, since the stuff was in public domain, but it's just easier to just the New York Times to, to point him to it. But the New York Times didn't have anything to do with, uh, they never had the, uh, the uh, unredacted document uh, in itself. I see what you're saying, but now this is interesting. So now it explains the process, because we were wondering about this approval process, this pre-publication uh, approval process. You're saying that since the guy was a CIA agent, he was the one that had to submit his article for pre-approval, not the New York correct. Times. Yeah, exactly. So wait, uh, so when you become a CIA agent, you're essentially a slave for the rest of your life? You, you, sign, you contract away your right to speak freely on anything that happens in, during your employment there. But wait, it's I thought this guy was a former CIA agent. Yeah, he's a former one. You, you do that forever and ever, I'm in. Right, so you are essentially giving up your freedom of speech to be a CIA agent. Yes, exactly. Or wow. on anything that happens while you're there at this, at, during your employment. Uh, if you learn something after that, uh, that that is unrelated to your employment there, you can say whatever the heck you want. I don't know. I thought this if this guy was a former CIA agent, uh, I suppose the particular time frame that he was uh, talking about in the article happened during his employment. Was that what the issue was? I believe so. Okay. Nonetheless, yeah. pretty... Uh, go ahead. The other thing I wanted to ask you was now the, the case of the, of the uh, blogger out in uh, Washington, Oregon, wherever it was, that had the video of the police car getting uh, torched yeah. and wouldn't turn it over. Now, that, again, much as I... Uh, uh, hate to throw the fire, throw water on the fire of anyone that hates the government. Uh, the issue is one of uh, the right to compel a witness in your favor, as guaranteed by the Constitution. Not, not that I'm a fan of the Constitution, but uh, the consider the the uh, situation if it were something if if you had a video if somebody had a video of somebody mass murdering a room full of school children. Mm -hmm. uh, there would be a hue and cry, absolutely, for that thing to be turned over. That guy wouldn't, he wouldn't just be in jail. He'd be strung up, probably. Probably so. I'm sure there, was, I'm sure there would be plenty of social ostracism there to, uh, to get him to turn that over. But nonetheless, if you have something, it should be yours uh, to control. And, I, I agree. Right. They should give him a, an incentive to turn it over, not just a court order. Give me a reason to turn over that information. Thanks for the call, Kaifo. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. And besides, what if I've do, um, already overwritten the tape? What if I don't have the information anymore to turn over? Then what? Are you going to punish me after the fact? More's on the way. Hour two's coming up. You take control of the airwaves. Free talk live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. 
Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there because they are completely free, unlike those other radio talk show hosts that want to charge you for their uh, their website. Anyway, go to freetalklive.com and enjoy it as we go to the phone. Scott in Indianapolis listening on WXNT to start things out this hour. Hello, Scott. Hello, Scott in Indy going once. Scott in yes, Indy. Hello, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, I was calling in about the death penalty. Yes. Uh, I feel we're in a society where we're not going to get away from the death penalty due to the violent crimes. So I am in favor of it. Um, but I understand that there may be innocent people on death row. So my opinion would be you have to classify these death penalties or, or these crimes for a death penalty. If your case is based merely on a, a lot of circumstantial evidence, uh, maybe there might be an innocent person that has fallen through the cracks and has been convicted. But if you have concrete evidence where everything you have through your whole investigation is leading to an individual, um, say your individual has no ties to your victim, but yet he has evidence that links him to that person, or he's a, or he or she is a suspect in multiple crimes where all of the evidence is linked back to one person, I feel that you have a greater um, chance of getting your your guilty uh, suspect for the death penalty. Now, I you know this is what everyone would say that defends the death penalty. Let's have the death penalty, but let's only give it to people we know for sure are guilty. You know, when when somebody brings up the possibility of somebody uh, being executed who's innocent, which you know it, it seems pretty obvious to me that that's what's happened here in the United States, is that innocent people have been executed. Is um, they say, well, we've got to make sure that we only execute the guilty ones, and the guilty ones should get it. And I I don't really feel bad about the idea of guilty people being executed. I feel bad about the innocent ones. But the fact is, when you put it in the hands of fallible Individuals, bureaucrats, you know the the bureaucrats that work in the court system, you know the police, um, the you know state's attorneys. All these people are bureaucrats, and you know um, they're just not motivated to do their jobs in the same way that um, the the free market is. And, and I don't know how you would make that a free market situation. And you also you have the just just um, one second. Um, we also yeah. have the jury who wants more than anything to go home and get that casserole ready. Or eat the casserole, you know? Like, the most important thing to them is getting out of there. Well, that's true. Um, my example would be, um, and the reason I'm saying this, I, I am a police officer here in this mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been on situations where we have caught the person red-handed trying to leave it, with the weapon, uh, with the evidence from the scene on him, the evidence from the, from him on the scene, and there's no denying it, and at that point, he knows he's caught, and he's not hiding it. He's looking for a way to save his uh, rear end. Mm-hmm. And that right there is a death penalty case because there are, there are no mistakes. He's, sure. He's admitting to it because he's caught red-handed. And I understand what you're saying. And If somebody would, admits would, to it, would, I don't... Well, See it would definitely. Be. Well, sure, but what you do at that point is say we're only going to um, kill people that admit to it. Is you know you're not really rewarding people for fessing up to their crimes. You're killing people who say that they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean I don't think that that's going to be really conducive. 
Now, you're a police officer. Um, have you, you know something about prison and that kind of thing. Would you say that somebody sitting on uh, death row for, you know, or the equivalent of death row for 50, 60, 70 years of their life, would you say that that's getting away with it? Uh, getting, if they're innocent. Uh, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm talking about them being guilty. Oh, if they're guilty? Um, getting away with it, if they do it, like you had mentioned earlier in the program, they're in that one little cell. Um, they, they don't have uh, access to the outside world. They just sit in this little room with nothing to do. No, I don't think they're getting away with it. Right. That's pretty much what's happening to people on death row right now. And I think that, uh, you know, it seems to me if you put people in this little, in, you know, a death row equivalent cells, you can at least let them out when you find out 10 years later, whoops, sorry, you know, we made a mistake. I, you know, I just, I don't, I know that you're, what you're saying is, is you'd like to see the people that seem more obvious, um, you'd like to see them get the death penalty, but we've given over this system to the government and the system that we currently have, and this is what we ended up with. Well, those 123 people were guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, according to the jury, according to the evidence presented at the trial. I mean, those jurors thought those guys were guilty, but they weren't. Now, Scott, you had said earlier um, something about, um, you know, with our society the way it is and violence, and that's what the reason you believe in the death penalty. Could you expound on that just a little bit for me? Uh, yes. I, with the type of violent crimes that are occurring, you know, they're, they're more violent. Um, they involve multiple uh, victims. The outcry of the death penalty, I believe, is going to be there because um, – you're finding more crimes that involve younger people. Now, hold on just a second. Do you remember Jeffrey Dahmer? Yes. Now, he was convicted, and he didn't get the death penalty because the state that he was in, he didn't. there wasn't a death penalty. But somehow, with you know the horrifying state of his crimes, it was taken care of. Right. Now, I don't have any, I don't have any problem with that situation because that's one convict killing another convict. It's not the government being given um, the power to execute its citizens. Correct. Yeah, I, I just was, I just think that these problems can take care of themselves. They can take care of themselves, but you know, if he if he was in a state that had the death penalty and he did not get it, I think you would have a huge outcry on why. Because well, of course, you're always going to have an outcry because well, I, people I say want they blood. Shouldn't, they shouldn't be able, the states shouldn't be able to have death penalties is what I right, say. Right, just because people are demanding the death penalty doesn't make it okay. I mean, there are people, bloodthirsty people everywhere. They killed Jesus. I mean, you know, a crowd of people wanted to see Jesus killed, right? Correct. I mean, he was, he was executed based on, uh, I mean, a, a, an arguably innocent man um, executed on, well, not much evidence at all. Scott, thank you for the call. We really appreciate hearing from you, sir. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. I think you're always going to have those people with the eye-for-an-eye attitude out there. They're always going to be loud. They're always going to yell and scream that, you know, this guy killed somebody. He should be put to death. Eye-for-an-eye. But what if he didn't kill those uh, those people? And, again, 123 people exonerated. Those people all would have been killed had the DNA evidence or whatever evidence had come out. didn't uh, Had it not come out, those guys would be dead, too. Yeah. And uh, that's the real tragedy. Okay, so a few people dying who deserved it, eh, well, you know, whatever. But the people who are dying that don't deserve it, that's sick. Yeah. And there's a, there's a serious really problem bad. there. Uh, all right. Hey, speaking of people in jail, wrongly so, uh, from the Times Online in the United Kingdom, a convicted murderer proved his innocence by investigating his own case from behind bars at a maximum security prison and identifying the real killer. 
Wow. Roy, Roy Brown appeared before a judge last night to ask for a pardon. After, I thought you were going to say it was O.J. He managed no. to find the real killers, finally. After 16 years in jail for a crime that he had pr- uh, proved conclusively that he did not commit. Hmm. Brown had always protested his innocence, denying that he stabbed and strangled a female social worker to death at a farmhouse in upstate New York in 1991, and he managed to investigate and solve the crime from his prison cell. Five days after he wrote a letter to the local uh, to the local fireman that he'd identified as the real murderer, the man killed himself by lying in front of an oncoming train. Hmm. Brown said, quote, Witnesses can commit perjury, judges can be fooled, and juries can make mistakes. When it comes to DNA testing, there are no mistakes. Uh, yesterday, he petitioned a judge for his freedom after DNA taken from bite marks on the victim's nightshirt confirmed his theory of the crime. The judge, Peter Corning, who presided over the original trial and retires this year, last night delayed his decision until a full hearing on January 22nd. Lawyers from the Innocence Project, a university-based law center that argued his case, were pushing for his immediate release. He's suffering from a liver disease and awaiting a transplant. Wow. So the killer is dead. The actual guy who did the killing killed himself as a result of getting a letter from this guy who was wrongly convicted, hmm. and now he's begging to be released from prison. So and he's still in. They're still holding him. This, and this shows how slowly the wheels of justice turn. Right. They couldn't imagine letting this guy um, out until, you know, properly signed pieces of paperwork come from, uh, you know, wherever they have to come in order for him to get out. But it's pretty, it's, you know, I mean, it seems clear. Eric Ferrero of the Innocence Project, which has overturned 188 convictions with DNA evidence, says, and now they're probably overturning convictions of people that aren't on death row as well. That's, that's right. Roy wrote to us like thousands do every year. What is unusual is somebody is sitting in his prison cell is solving the case. This is the first time that we've seen that. Can you imagine? I mean, thousands of people writing the Innocence Project. How many people are sitting in prison, not only just on death row, but just sitting in prison who are innocent and are just rotting away? How many are there? 800-259-9231. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. It is the live Saturday edition, the Christmas weekend edition of Free Talk Live. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line, and you can bring up anything. 800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the updates list by going to updates.freetalklive.com. It's free. Like everything else is on our website, that's updates.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1,000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1,000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. Well, we're talking actually about people that aren't so free, people who have been wrongly imprisoned. Now, you started out last hour by talking about people who've been put on to death row, people awaiting execution that have been let off, wrongly imprisoned, uh, exonerated after the fact, years after the fact sometimes, having to wait a decade or two uh, before they actually get out and get a little bit of freedom back. But it's not just the people on death row that are uh, wrongly imprisoned. As you might imagine, if 120 people on death rows around the country have been let off, how many other hundreds of individuals aren't sitting on death row, just have life sentences uh, for crimes that they didn't commit? There's probably thousands of innocent people in um, in jail in America. But I think that that's something that's more difficult to approach than uh, the death penalty issue. Because with the death penalty issue, you can... Just punish them by putting them in a little tiny room for the rest of their lives, and you don't have to let them out. 
And, uh, you know, unless you find them that they're innocent, in which case you can let them out. Of course, if they're dead, you can't let them out because they're dead. Whereas with um, innocent people on um, in prison, well, what do you do? Not put them in prison? I mean, they're sort of. It, it, it makes it difficult. How, how do we solve the problem of crime? And crime's very real. I don't think we want people to be getting away with crime, but, you know. Well, I think the restitution system would go a long way to fixing the trouble, to, to, to address your question. Well, also, I think that legalizing uh, every single drug out there would also go a long way in, in addressing the problem. I think you would see a drop of somewhere in the neighborhood of 80% of violent crime. Uh, yeah, I totally, 60 to 80% at least, um, I totally agree with that. But even if you've got, uh, even if you end the war on drugs and you change over to restitution, or if you change over to restitution, then criminals will know that crime won't pay as much as it did at one time. Because there's a lot of crimes that you can commit, and essentially you pay, spend a little bit of time in jail, and you don't actually have to pay back the victim. Sometimes they sentence restitution, sometimes they don't. Um, in many cases, victims are victimized twice. The people lose a friend or a family member, for instance, in a murder case or something like that, and then they have to pay to put that murderer in jail, whereas the murderer should be paying those victims, uh, the victim's family, the business people, the people that are losing, uh, losing income because that person doesn't exist anymore. The murderer should be the one paying those people back. And if criminals knew that they'd have to pay back the victims of their crimes, that may make them less likely to commit those crimes in the first place. I'd be fine with them, uh, you know, restituting from prison, but I feel like besides the money that I'm worth to my employer, the money I'm worth to my wife, the money I'm worth to my big fat cat, um, the money I'm worth to my family, I'm also worth, there's also value in life to me. And Mm -hmm. that guy who killed me took it away. Yeah. And he needs to be punished in a different way for that. Yeah, I, under, I understand what you're saying. Um, of course, I think that we should leave it to the marketplace to dis, to decide what those punishments are, uh, because I believe the government punishments are awfully arbitrary. But let's go on here with a story about a man who uh, was wrongly convicted, sitting in prison still, even though he found the murderer from inside his jail cell. Uh, the Innocence Project telling the story, the naked body of Sabina Kulowski was found across the road from her home in the town of Aurelius in the early hours of May 23, 1991, when firemen responded to an arson blaze at the farmhouse. The wounds, including bite marks on her red nightshirt found nearby, suggested that Ms. Kulowski, age 49, had put up a struggle. The murder apparent, uh, appeared highly personal because there was no evidence of rape or burglary. Two days later, Brown, who made a living selling magazine subscriptions in Syracuse, 30 miles away, was charged with her murder. He'd been released from prison six days before the crime after serving an eight-month sentence for making threatening calls to a social worker whose agency he blamed for ordering his daughter, age 17, into foster care. He was convicting, uh, convicted of the killing on the basis of expert testimony linking him to bite marks on Ms. Kulowski's body, even though they showed indentations from six upper teeth and Brown only had four. Wow. Sentenced to a minimum of 25 years in jail, it took Brown 13 years and three failed appeals to uncover evidence pointing to the true murderer. And then only... You would think that the evidence um, showing six you know, six teeth where I only have four would be plenty, but apparently not. Maybe, maybe it was another jury with a cake in the oven. And, and, you know, that's just sort of... It just goes to show um, what happens with these juries and, you know, the system that we have going um, perma- currently. And, uh, it's and, not perfect. And, and the crime and punishment attitude that we have in the United States, it 
it can bite us. And this is another reason to support uh, market courts. Now, I know you, you're not entirely comfortable with this idea, but because of lazy jurors, people that would rather be anywhere else but on a jury, that's one reason why government courts really stink so bad. I mean, the idea was originally kind of a good idea, like, yeah, do your duty, come here and uh, serve on a jury, but it doesn't work out that way in reality. If it was a market-based arbitration system, then each... Uh, d- the defendant and the uh, the prosecutor or the, uh, the both of the, the parties in the case would agree on the arbitrator in advance, and they would agree to submit to whatever the arbitrator's ruling was. And so, therefore, only the most fair and equitable arbitrators would be successful, and only the most fair arbitrators would get two people to agree to use their arbitration services. Therefore, juries wouldn't be necessary. Um, you, your case would be decided, uh, decided by professional people whose business it is to make fair judgments. And fair, and probably, I, I would agree with this, that um, you know it, they would be sitting on the sorts of cases that they sit on. You would, in all likelihood, have specialized arbitrators. Murder courts, that right, sort of thing. Right, there would be you know, arbitrators who, who uh, specialize in murder, and they understand you know, very well what they're dealing with as far as DNA testing and that kind of thing, rather than trying to explain it to the jury every single time. And you know as well as I do when it comes to juries, you know, they try to pick what, um, you know, the, the, the best. Yeah, well, they, they pick the best ones for them, you know, whether it's male or female, yeah. young or old, smart or stupid, those kind of things. And what they generally end up with is vanilla. If you asked everybody in the world what the best flavor of ice cream was, and you took tallied them all up, the number one flavor is going to be vanilla. Now, that's not the best flavor of ice cream, in my opinion. I like opinion. mint chocolate chip myself. I like the Superman one, because I really can't taste anything, so mm-hmm. I, I, like my, I like colorful. Uh, <laughs> if it's colorful, it must taste good, right? <laughs> right. I, but, at the, you know, so, you know, what you end up with on the jury pool is vanilla. So, um, back to the case here. Sentenced to a minimum of 25 years in jail, it took him 13 years and three failed appeals to uncover evidence pointing to the true murderer, and then only because of another fire. When his trial records were destroyed at a blaze at his stepfather's house in, two, uh, stepfather's house in 2003, he filed a Freedom of Information request for copies of them. Among the documents were statements that he had not seen before, mm. implicating a local volunteer fireman, Barry Bench. Unlike Brown, Bench knew Ms. Kalowski very well because his older brother Ronald had dated her for 17 years. Ah. He and Ms. Kalowski had lived together at the farmhouse, and relatives say that Barry Bench resented that she stayed there after the couple separated in 1991. We'll come back with the rest of the story here as to how this man who sat in prison for, is sitting in prison for 16 years, discovered the true murderer from behind bars. Now, remember... He's still in prison, and the murderer killed himself. We'll get back to the story. 800-259-9231. And you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It's the Christmas weekend edition of Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, and bring up anything. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Doing the live Saturday edition, the weekend, the Christmas weekend edition of the show. I think a lot of people out there are thinking, oh, yeah, they're just mailing it in like all those other talk show hosts are. Yeah, I think 
you know, who else is on the radio live this weekend? Not very many people. No, I mean, it's two days before Christmas. Yeah. Tomorrow's Christmas Eve. Well, as you know, Mark, we are going to be doing a live show on Christmas Day. We now, are. We are a six-day-a-week show. If you're listening on a station that only carries us on Saturday nights, we do have a live show that we do um, every day during the week as well. And we are going to be doing our program on Monday night live. Yeah, we don't um, we don't miss a we don't miss a night that we have any help um, that we can help in any way. So be sure you join us online at freetalklive.com if you don't get the show in your local area. Though I do have good news for our listeners in uh, West Virginia. Listening on WVTS in Charleston, the Super Talk 950. I uh, love that name, Super Talk. Yeah, uh, we're going to be on Super Talk starting Monday night. Actually, I think they test ran us last night, but officially starting Monday night, they're going to take an hour of our weekday show and delay it from. Uh, I think it's going to be the last hour of the show. They're going to put it on from 10 to 11 at night awesome. Eastern time. So uh, you guys are going to get more Free Talk Live. You're going to have us six days a week there, which is cool. So we're excited about that. Lucky West Virginians. All right, uh, back to the story of a man who is sitting in jail. Been there for 16 years. Why? Well, he was wrongly convicted. And wrongly convicted based on some shoddy evidence. But nonetheless, even though he was wrongly convicted based on shoddy evidence, he went ahead and proved from behind bars who the real murderer was. In fact, uh, the gentleman that he discovered, uh, there was a woman who was murdered, and uh, there was a bite mark, and apparently the bite mark had six teeth in the bite mark from the upper row, and this man only had four teeth. That was the shoddy evidence. Whoops. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, he, wasn't, he isn't supposed to be in jail, but he went ahead and found out who the real murderer was. It took him 13 years and three failed appeals as it turns out, the real murderer had dated the dead woman for 17 years. In fact, they lived together. I thought together. it was the brother of the um, uh, of the dating dater. Uh, Bench and his older brother. Oh yeah, you're right. His older brother had dated uh, dated her for 17 years. Anyway, Barry Bench, the real murderer, resented that she'd stayed there after the couple separated in 1991 at her house. Among the four sworn affidavits released to Brown was a statement by Tamara Eckstadt. Bench's longtime girlfriend and the mother of his child. Remember, what happened was, was there was a fire at his house. His records that he had gotten from the government were destroyed, so he asked for new copies of them so he could continue pouring over them and doing the research to prove his innocence. And when he got the records the second time, there was stuff he hadn't seen before. So anyway, Bench's longtime girl and the mo- uh, girlfriend and the mother of his child, she told police that Bench, already subject to a domestic protection order, got into violent got into violent row with her at about 5 p.m. on the evening before the murder and went to a local bar. He returned home drunk between 1.30 and 1.45 a.m., more than an hour after leaving the bar. He washed his face and arms and then turned off his fire monitor before going to bed, something he seldom did. He was roused and summoned to fight the fire uh, to fight the fire at the farmhouse by repeated calls to his home phone. The scene uh, at the scene, he wandered in the direction of where the body was found. After his suicide, Bench's 19-year-old daughter Catherine Eckstadt provided a private investigator with a DNA sample. It showed with 99.9% certainty that her father's saliva was on the bite marks on Ms. Kulowski's nightshirt. I had to know the truth, Miss Eckstadt. How do they still have this nightshirt from so long ago? I it don't just know, amazes man. me. That is amazing. Miss Eckstadt told the New York Times, "How was I supposed to live knowing that I could have helped Roy Brown, yet I let him rot in prison?" And uh, this man is still sitting in prison, awaiting for the government to finally come around and say, oh, yeah, we should let you out now. I mean, how long is that going to take? 
He's already proven who as, the murderer was. As long as they want to. He wrote, uh, he wrote the murderer a letter, and uh, the murderer got it and threw himself in, tra- in front of a train. It sounds pretty <laughs> incriminating to me. Uh, by the way, lost decades. Uh, here's some interesting little factoids. In 1973, the 17-year-old Stephen Downing was convicted of murdering a secretary in Derbyshire, Derbyshire Churchyard. The local paper campaigned for his release, which eventually came in 2002 when his conviction was ruled to be unsafe. These are British cases. Unsafe. Paul Blackburn of Cheshire served 25 years before the attempt for the attempted murder of a nine-year-old boy before having his conviction overturned last year. Mirza Tahir Hussein spent 18 years on death row for murder in Pakistan before being pardoned last month. So there are people all over the world sitting in uh, sitting on death rows and sitting in prisons that shouldn't be there. Wilbert Rideau of Louisiana was released. After 43 well, years you know, in prison. There's bound to be some of the one of these guys that you mentioned on this list is bound to be guilty. You know, one of the and, innocent people. And it just goes to show that, well, you say it's they, they say they're innocent. Yeah. But it just goes to show that humans are fallible. That's the whole point that I was making on the um, that on on the death penalty issue yeah. is I don't know whether these guys are innocent or not. I'm just hearing you l- rattle off a list of uh, people that are quote-unquote innocent according to the innocenceproject.com. Sure, but I'd rather have a hundred guilty men go free than one innocent man be put in prison, personally. How do you feel about that? 800-259-9231. How about this guy? Uh, released after 43 years in prison, Wilbert Rideau of Louisiana after his fourth trial for the same murder when the judge ruled that he'd committed manslaughter and had served a long enough sentence. Reuben Carter was found guilty of three murders in 1966, was freed in 1985 after his second appeal led to overturning his conviction. His campaign brought him to the attention of Bob Dylan, who wrote the song Hurricane about it. Mm-hmm. And finally, Lindy Chamberlain was convicted of, in 1982 of murdering her baby daughter, whom she claimed she uh, had been taken by a dingo in the Australian outback. She was acquitted in 1988. A dingo. Yeah, a dingo dog. Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, my, Who'd have thought of using the dingo excuse? Which is funny, too, because I was hanging out with some Free State Project members tonight, and um, my my dog was present, and she's got some dingo, uh, dingo in her. Or at and, least she looks like it. Right, and one of the uh, one of the guys there was uh, making comments about how, oh, the dingo ate my baby. <laughs> and uh, I guess he was referencing that case. I guess so. The old dingo defense. Yeah, 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airway. So we're now we've, we've talked about people who wrongly been convicted and people who spent way too much time in prison now let's talk about people who very very rarely spend time in prison for the crimes they commit i'm talking about the police of course new orleans louisiana cnn reporting new orleans police lined up quote like at a firing range unquote and fatally shot an unarmed man in the back as he fled from them in the days after hurricane katrina swept ashore witnesses told uh, a witness told cnn it marks the first time a witness has come forward publicly with information about the shooting of Ronald Madison, a 40-year-old mentally retarded man whose death has sparked a police investigation and grand jury probe into what happened in and around the Danziger Bridge that day. Quote, he just fell like he was collapsing, Casimir Gaston told CNN, like something just wiped him out. Gaston was one of many flood refugees living on the second floor of the Friendly Inn, a low-income motel on the city's east side. Sunday, September 4th of last year, he says he woke up and stepped onto the balcony of the motel and saw a man running, hands outstretched, and being fired upon. Good Lord. Initial police accounts said that Madison reached for his waistband and turned on police. You know, cops love to say that, oh yeah, he was threatening us. 
But Gaston said Madison didn't appear to have a weapon and that he was running away from the police, hands out, full speed when he was shot. And police declined CNN's request for an interview. After the shooting last year, police said officers had responded to reported gunshots on the bridge and that a running gun battle ensued with six suspects. One teenager was killed near the base of the bridge and three other people were wounded, according to police reports. A police department press release described the uh, as an un- uh, Madison described as an unidentified gunman was quote confronted by a New Orleans police officer the suspect reached into his waist and turned toward the officer who fired one shot fatally wounding him when asked if Madison had a gun Gaston said I didn't see any on him and no gun was found on Madison's body well i i if if that last sentence is what happened if you reach into your waistband um, you know, in front of a a cop, and there's been like you know, there's a crime has just mm-hmm. been committed. Yeah, you should get wasted. You think so? You're just that... for reaching into your waistband, shouldn't they wait yes. to see if you pull a gun out? Um, look, you, you know these these situations are you know spur of the moment, man. You've got just a moment in time to uh, make these decisions, and you're second guessing a guy who um you know essentially chose. A split second too soon to shoot? But now we're finding out the police were lying about him reaching into his waistband. Now that's a different story. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. And I wonder what the punishment's going to be for these cops. Mm, Probably not much. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. And it's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll free. 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, uh, so do enjoy those and help support the show by buying some stuff. We've got Free Talk Live branded merchandise like hats and t-shirts and other cool things at store.freetalklive.com. And you can purchase anything else you might need in life at amazon.freetalklive.com. You know Amazon, they're the world's largest Internet retailer. Well, if you enter their site through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, anything you buy, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of. So it's a great way to get your shopping done, get the stuff you need delivered to your door, and barely lift more than a few fingers. And help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only loved ones can do that. Give your special child a kid's journey to getting rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 1-800-657-5066. As we go to the phones and to the fun, let's talk to John in Winnipeg. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great, John. John. What's on your mind? Well, geez, you know, I'm here in Canada. I'm looking down there at America, and I'm, I'm seeing that you guys are missing an effective war strategy to, de- to de- defeat these terrorists that are causing us so much uh, sorrow and grief. Okay, what are we missing? Well, to, to uh, make an effective plan work, we've got to realize where we are right now, like in, in relationship to things that are um, understood to be so irrespective of our personal biases. Uh, for Iraq, I mean, Americans, you talk and talk, but nobody wants to tell you you have no justification for being there. Oh, we've you know, said so that a few times. understand and they don't, apparently. I mean, you had complete access prior to bombing the country to go wherever you pleased without delay. The inspectors could go anywhere they wanted. Well, there, there were UN inspectors, but, you know, yeah, well, you pretty much you right. could have deputized all the soldiers into inspectors. You didn't have to shoot anybody or drop any bombs, is what I mean. Like, those are acts of first-degree mass murder. 
you don't need to drop 30,000 bombs blowing up all the public infrastructure. I agree so, completely. We've done terrible things to those people over there. It's outrageous. Right. So I think to, to, to address the, the – or to put together an effective exit strategy for Iraq, you have to understand that you're the criminal aggressor. By denying certain individuals uh, – Well, I'm uh, not the criminal aggressor. Don't include me with these people. Oh, I'm not involved. I know, but I am. Like, that's the thing. I feel I have a responsibility to defend these innocent people I'm seeing victimized due to our inabilities to communicate. Now, you guys are, you know, probably pretty near close to the best thing we have on the radio anywhere on the planet, right? Thanks. Open line communication, and this is what we need. When we discover uh, to bring freedom to Iraq is, gonna, is going to involve granting them equal rights under a rule of law where all people are treated with equal respect – is the time where we're going to be going uh, forward in a in a progressive manner to uh, uh, quell hostilities uh, by stopping to uh, or by stopping uh, to victimize them continually. You know, we have uh, military contractors. The estimate, I think, it's over a hundred thousand individuals there who are who are deemed to be lawless. They're not a, they're not accountable to American law and they're not accountable to Iraqi law. Mm-hmm. So they can rape, torture, pillage, and steal all they want. And they've never, there's never even been one single arrest in these years and years uh, that you guys or we as humanity have been um, criminally um, victimizing these poor folks. So there's that issue with Iraq. With, with 9-11, you guys got to know it's the FBI's position that General Ahmad funded the terrorist operation to begin with. Nobody talks about that. The great Honorable Alex Jones... For whatever reason he has, he doesn't disclose it to you either. But it's critically important to understand that the guy who funded the operation is the guy who worked with the Bush administration two days prior to the terrorist event Mm -hmm. at the White House working on their invasion of Afghanistan strategy. He's there working on the strategy, and he's also the guy who funds the terrorist operation. So what is it? uh, So, I mean, what's your point? My point is, if you guys want to uh, uh, go after the terrorists who are victimizing yourselves, you have to support justice. And, and corporate America uh, is, is forsaking yourselves by not relying on evidence to substantiate your opinions. You got, right now, anybody can say anything, and the, there's never, ever a, a reporter to say you're lying. You I'm, know, a, li- a, I'm a little bit confused. Say, wait, wait, wait. You're, uh, Mark, are you getting, it? Are you getting this? this? I, I'm a little confused been, as to what you're saying here. Well, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get Americans to realize that they have uh, just as much rights as anyone else does. Who's they? And you mean the Iraqi have, people? Pardon me. The Iraqi people? Well, and well, all people. Yeah. All pe- Iraqis could say these same words too. They could say, "Look, if you guys want to stop sacrificing your lives, your children's lives in this needless war, um, take a stand for freedom. Stand up for your constitution. You, you can't declare a war without Congress's uh, approval." I agree. But they and, did it anyway. Right. So you've got to hold these people. If you want to, uh, to save the lives of your children in Iraq, you're going to have to demand that, uh, that uh, all people are treated equitably. Fairly. Who's, wait, wait. Who's, dem- who's demanding? When you say you, who's demanding that? Uh, well, the, the military by gunfire. I mean, you have, like I say... Wait, you want the military have, to... De- wait, 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 slow down, slow down. You want the military to demand that people be treated equitably? I missed it. Yeah, yeah, the military, what the military has to do is... you. Well, have the military arrest- just follows orders. I mean, they're not going to come out and, uh, and right. change their their mode of operation. Right, they're, they're, they're supposed to be going after death squad guys, for example. 
Now they're being told they're putting their lives on the line. Well, no, too. what the military is supposed to do in the United States is follow the Constitution and defend it from uh, from threats, both foreign and domestic. Right. And they aren't doing that. They're not right. supposed but, to be in Iraq for any reason whatsoever, and we shouldn't be there for any reason whatsoever either. It's not our country. Uh, we don't have any business over there. And right, but, what we've done is an outrage. Your final okay, thoughts? But, but we, we, would, we would tell ourselves that the soldiers have been misled by by the news uh, content control, but it's not even that, because they're told by General Casey in Iraq today to go after those who are running death squads. Well, we have Tim Spicer from Aegis, um, the videotapes from Aegis, those guys are just shooting people indiscriminately on the street. Uh, uh, CNN uh, contacted the Pentagon, uh, uh, it was uh, Robertson, uh, Nick Robertson contacted the Pentagon in respect to these uh, Videotapes and the Pentagon said that they weren't going to uh, uh, pursue any criminal charges against. The are you talking about the? Are you talking about the contractors just shooting people for fun? Yeah, yeah. And these are so uh, they're essentially running death squads because they're just shooting anybody, laughing and cheering, yeah. desecrating the great Elvis Presley while they shoot innocent folks down. Dead. I don't think there's any way to uh, to to come to a conclusion here except to pull the troops out, to, to bring people home. That's the only sensible answer. There's no other solution well, that makes any sense. And thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to Dan in West Palm Beach, listening on WFTL. You are on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi. I'd like to talk about the death penalty for a minute. Sure. Great. Yeah, you know, I've, I've followed the work of, of the Innocence Project, and they've, they've done some amazing things. And what we've seen over the past few years is that they, they've taken on a, a lot of cases where there was DNA evidence left, they had the possibility of exonerating uh, death row inmates, mm-hmm. and, and they've done that over and over again. We, we have, uh, you know, you talked earlier about some people who had been had three or four trials and then, you know, ultimately found innocent. Some of the, some of those cases, people have not been exonerated. They've been found innocent, and, and and we're still not. In some cases, we're still not certain if they were guilty or not. That we just found that there was never really enough evidence to convict them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're innocent. But in the Innocence Project, what we found over and over again is people who have been exonerated, where the, um, uh, somebody that was convicted 15 years ago, the DNA testing wasn't available then. Right. And you found that they're they, absolutely innocent, no doubt about it. Well, not only well, – I remember one, one of the early cases, not only, not only did the guy's – in a rape and murder case, not only did the guy's DNA not match what was found at the scene – but when they ran that through the database, they found the guy who uh, it, 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 they did get a match with a convicted rapist who was in prison for another crime. Hmm. So they, they not only exonerated, completely exonerated the guy that did it, but also found the guy that that uh, uh, the guilty party. Wow. These are the cases that really interest me. And and the most interesting part is because we do have a pretty good system and, and there's a lot of safeguards built in to try to make sure that. You know, we don't send anybody to to death. No, they're not, not good guilty. enough. And and yet we we find over and over again we do. Now the part that I look at is how does this happen? And when when you look at how it happens, there's three basic things, three basic ways that that people get wind up on death row uh, when they're innocent. What are the three ways? If you can do it like in uh, forty seconds. There, three ways. Uh, Prosecutor. Prosecutorial misconduct, mm. police misconduct, and eyewitness mistakes—not deliberate, 
generally, but but just mistaken identity by eyewitnesses. Right, and if well, you combine if you combine one of those three with another one of those three, or even all three at once, you've got a heck of a messy uh, situation that's going to result in somebody sitting behind bars uh, that may not should uh, that should not be there. Yeah, absolutely. So that means what we know is that we have a lot of people behind bars that are that are that are innocent, and. You know, we can't, you know, I'm not saying we can avoid that. We can try to do better. But we know that even doing our very best, we're going to wind up with some innocent people behind bars. What do you think about punishing the uh, the prosecutors for screwing up? Well, and the police for misconduct. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. But my because these guys get away scot-free. Your main issue, you get like three seconds, man. The main issue is stop killing people. If Thank you, you Dan. Do. We appreciate it. More coming up. Hour 3 on the way. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. We're kicking off Hour 3 of the Saturday edition. In fact, the weekend of... Christmas weekend edition of Free Talk Live. Mm-hmm. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's right. We're here in the studio with you. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are completely free. Once again, freetalklive.com. Well, Mark, I didn't think I would ever see an article like this, but apparently bottled water is immoral, according to some religious groups. Bottled water is immoral? Yes, that's right. Uh, <laughs> the Religion News Service reporting here in Washington, Thou shalt not murder... Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thou shalt not drink bottled water. Rooted in the notion that clean drinking water, like air, is a God-given resource that shouldn't be packaged and sold, a fledgling campaign against the bottling of water has sprung up among people of faith. And though the campaign is at a relative trickle, yuck, yuck, and confined <laughs> mostly to left-leaning religious groups, water puns, ooh boy, activists hope to build a broad-based coalition to carry the message that water should not be available only to we those need who can afford it. Ocean of support, the, a vast uh, pool of people to draw from. Cassandra Carmichael, the director of Echo Justice programs for the National Council of Churches said she's noted an increasing number of religious groups that consider... A tidal the, wave of support! ...the bottling of water a wrongful, perhaps immoral act. Quote, We're just beginning to recognize the issue as peoples of uh, people of faith, said Carmichael. In October, the National Coalition... There's a groundswell of people <laughs> supporting us. Uh, in October, the National Coalition of American Nuns, a progressive group representing 1,200 U.S. nuns, adopted a resolution asking, a virtual members, sea of nuns. asking members to refrain from purchasing bottled water unless necessary. <laughs> Likewise, Presbyterians for Restoring Creation, a grassroots group within the Presbyterian Church in the United States, launched a campaign last May urging individuals to sign a pledge against drinking bottled water and to take the message to their churches. Now, if you want to follow this so-called logic to its, well, logical ends. I mean, if it's logical that uh, God gave people water and air to breathe and drink, and therefore it shouldn't be packaged and sold, then then didn't also God give us trees and uh, other plants that we also package and sell, other natural products that we take and, and combine with other natural products to create foods, to yeah. create building materials. Casserole create... must be immoral, too, because you're mixing the ingredients. Um, this is asinine. Yeah. Like a whole <laughs> bunch of asinine. This is, as, this is as far into asinine as I've ever heard. I mean, essentially, this is saying that, you know, packaged foods are immoral, and if you're not a hunter-gatherer, 
which I doubt very many Christians are, mm-hmm. then you're immoral. That doesn't make any That's sense. That's the logical extreme, but they're just keeping it to water for now. The United Church of Christ, for instance, partnering with the National Council of Churches, produced a documentary called Troubled Waters that looked at the dangers of water privatization around the world, including the bottling of water for sale in poor areas. The documentary aired on ABC television in October. In the developing world, said Carmichael, water is being sold as a commodity where the resource is scarce. With the rationale that bottling water takes water resources away from the poor, Carmichael said the environmental issue has become an important one for people of faith. Quote, the moral call for us is not to privatize water. Water should be free for all. So well, what about um, running water in your house? I right. Mean, that's not free. It costs money to, to bring that in there. And that's even. not private either. That's usually run by the government. There are some exceptions to that, but for the most part, the water that's running through your tap is provided by your local county government. And what difference does that make? I mean, then the government owns it. It's not like it's not, you know, it's just a, it's a monopoly. And, and there's a reason why water shouldn't be free. Because if water is free, as this woman wants it to be and her supporters, then people will waste it. Mm, that's true. Now, you don't want to do that, do you? I mean, don't you want to save the planet? Right. Because you know, I don't believe that uh, spewing a little water out of the hose is going to destroy the planet, but none, because water but wasteful be, is wasteful. It can't be created, you know, nor, can be, uh, nor can it be destroyed. I, you know, I've, I've got to say, I've been a homeowner since uh, 1998, I believe, I bought okay. my first home. Um, it might have been a little before that, but I, don't, I think it was 1998. And I've paid my own water bills um, since before that. You know, we had utilities in my name when I was renting yeah. also. But now, since I've just moved, um, I happen to be renting because I want to kind of get a feel for the land where I'm at and, you know, buy the right place. Sure. And the landlord picks up the water bill. And I, I'm not saying that I waste water, but I've caught myself thinking, well, I don't really care if I use too much water here. I'm not paying for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I would consider myself real, a, a rather thrifty guy. Right. I'm, I'm not, you know, but... Even you have thought that right. thought. I, it, the, the thought has flashed through my mind. Now, fortunately, he's a wise man, and he has the hot water. You know, I mean, this is New Hampshire, and all the cold water is really, really cold, and the hot water heater is only 20 gallons. So you can't waste too much. But, <laughs> you know, I, I've thought that. Yep, and you take that concept, the, uh, the idea that if you aren't paying for water at all uh, and multiply it out times every person in America, let alone the world, there's going to be a lot of water wasted. Mm. If you're not paying for the water, you might as well just let it run all day long. Who cares? It's free. God right. gave it to us. God didn't give us the pipes, though, to get the water to your house. God also, uh, if you believe in God, I don't, but uh, God also did not give you the distribution methods beyond the pipes. For instance, the Culligan Man mm-hmm. or whoever it is that is doing bottled water in your area, they put time and He's effort. Immoral. They put time and effort into taking that water, building big filtration systems, and putting it through the filtration system, and then bottling it into nice, easy-to-use five-gallon jugs and delivering it to your front door. These things all cost money. And if you want to make it so water doesn't cost anything anymore, well, then the Culligan man's going to say, bye-bye, and he's going to go and uh, go into some other business. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to go down to the nearby stream if you happen to have one uh, with a few buckets every day? So you, I mean, there's free water. You can go as long as you have access to a stream, and most of them are government property. Go down there. Go ahead. Pick it up. Get some uh, water in your bucket and bring it home and try drinking that. Mm, See yummy. how that works out for you. 
anyway, you can. I mean, you can you can filter it. Um, you can go get free water and and take care of it. But the, you know, that's really the issue is, you know, these people are providing a service. That's correct. The water is a commodity, and yes, you can go find some place to get it free. But it's it going to taste as good? Is it going to be as good for you? Is it going to be as convenient as it um, is? I mean, th- those people are providing that service yep. to you. There is no right in water. Americans consume more bottled water than any other uh, any other beverage category except carbonated soft drinks, uh, which I think is kind of sad. According to the uh, Beverage Marketing Corporation, a New York-based research organization, uh, when I say sad, I mean it's sad that we drink so much soda. Uh, so it's good. In 2000, it's not good for you. In 2005, Americans drank about 7.5 billion gallons of bottled water, a 10.4 in, uh, 10.4% increase from 2004. The U.S. leads the world in bottled water consumption. At the same time, one third of the world's population lives under water-stressed conditions. That proportion that proportion will double by 2025, according to a report on water scarcity. Water is scarcest in arid developing countries plagued by drought and pollution, such as South Africa, where agriculture fuels the demand, according, for the, according to the report. Sister Marianne Coyle, the American Nuns board member who introduced the measure against bottled water, said the fear is that as water becomes a commodity, it will no longer remain a right for all people. Hey, sweetie, there's no right to water. I, I, I know that sounds harsh. It does sound harsh. But there is no right to water. If you are born in a uh, in an area of the world where there's no water around or not very much to speak of, and somebody has a somebody has gone down to the stream wherever that wherever it is and gotten themselves a couple of buckets of water and is bringing it back into town, you do not have the right to accost that individual and take a portion of his or her water. Right. Now, how, um, you know, if, if I have a right to water, how much water do I have a right to? And how do will I it be delivered? Own, right. Do, do I own all the water on the planet because I have a right to water? Well, you and everyone else, supposedly, right? But I mean, hold on just a second. I've got a right. How is everyone else going to have a right to what I've got a right to? I don't understand this public property thing myself, Mark. Well, I find a hard time. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It. I mean, it's it's really ridiculous. When you start thinking about a right, a right is something that, uh, you know, they, it can't be taken away from you. It's yours by nature. God has given it to you. Well, the water is not a right. Now, I would venture to say that anyone who needs water can figure out some way to get it. Um, you know, here in America, that's not the problem. But the problem is thinking that water is, in fact, a right. Yeah, uh, if you think water and, oh, let's also expand it to food. If you think water and food and shelter are all rights, I want to hear from you. 800-259-9231. What about an iPod? I should have a right to an iPod. <laughs> 800-259-9231. I do think you should have a right to listen to Free Talk Live, but hey, you know, that's just me. More's on the way uh, with these crazy water people coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition, and you can take control of the airwaves. Ian here with you. And Mark. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. That's 1-800-259-9231. That is why we call it Free Talk Live, because you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a bulletin board system there. Over 140,000 posts await you, and there's 1,300-plus people interacting. Lots of topics, fun stuff, serious issues. You'll find it all being discussed and it's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. 
And don't forget to get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, Attaining Economic and Personal Freedoms in America's Freest State. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in, in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Get registered now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Well, I guess nobody out there believes that water is a right. And thank goodness, I was concerned for a little while. I guess there's some individuals, there's very few of them, not enough listening, not enough are out there that they are listening to the show tonight. We're talking about a group of whack jobs, a group of religious people. Now, not all religious people are whack jobs, but these people are. They believe that God gave us air and water. And so, therefore, you have a right to water. And therefore, water should be free for everyone. And therefore, didn't, didn't, you should boycott these bottled water companies because they're evil. Well, didn't evil. God give us gold? Yes. Well, do we have a right to gold? Um, that's a question for these people. I, <laughs> I would say no. Well, I would say that God we don't have a right us, to water either. You could say he gave land as well. Do we have a right to other people's land? You have the right to the water that's on your land that you bought and paid for and worked, you know, worked for the money for. That's a right. I wouldn't say that, and I would say that you have the right for the water underneath it too. You should be able to dig down, sure, you know, pretty much dig as far well. as you want, and uh, get some water. But as far as a right to water, that really leaves things wide open. If you have a right to water, do you have the right that I have to deliver your water to you? Mm -hmm. And if you have that right, then what about my right to freedom? Because I don't want to give you your water. Yeah, does uh, does an individual's so-called right to water override other individuals' rights? To life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, but, well, the reason, and it does. I believe that you're allow you have the right to pursue water in your life. Sure, and the reason and it do. doesn't is because you don't have a right to water. Sounds sounds shocking, but it's true. Water, by the way, is uh, apparently uh, back to these nutballs. Sister Mary Ann Coyle, the American Nuns board member who introduced a measure against bottled water, says the fear is that as water comes a commodity, it will no longer remain a right for all people. Quote, our faith tells us to be just and not exploit the poor, said Coyle, who regards drinking bottled water as a sin. Ooh. Coyle said in the United States, people are paying for bottled water when American tap water is among the safest in the world. Quote, but they're paying for that, too. That's true. Quote, the use of bottled water in the U.S. is more a lifestyle issue than a necessity. In this country, we should do more to push to not drink bottled water unless we need it. Well, I don't know. I, I guess there are some people out there drinking bottled water as a lifestyle thing, like they've got their fridge loaded with it. Well, if but you've, um, I, I would say that no, the, there's definitely lifestyle out there in it. If you look at the name brands on the water, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's this, the ones that come in the fancy plastic uh, yeah. containers. Some of it actually I've seen in glass containers yeah. that look like shampoo bottles. The imports. I've and seen imported water. <laughs> if, you know, I mean, I would say that those are, are a lifestyle thing because I wouldn't pay that kind of money to drink that water. Right. I'm happy with the, the local standby water that comes in a bottle if I want to get it at a, a convenience store. Yeah, now, I'll if buy I'm the lowest-priced water. Whatever. If I'm at home, I'm going to drink it out of the tap because I'm just that cheap. Now, but, I'll go ahead and put a filter on the tap because I personally am a little bit concerned with what the government is putting into the water supply. Not that I'm, I'm paranoid, per se, about it, but I don't like the idea of fluoride and all that stuff going mm -hmm. into my body without my consent. So uh, I like putting the, t uh, the filters on. But nonetheless, uh, she says we should do more to push people to not drink bottled water. So Stephen Kay, spokesman for the International Bottled Water Association, said targeting bottled water amongst hundreds of other products that use water... I mean, look at the number one ingredient in any other drink. It's water. 
will not learn uh, lead towards long-term solutions in better poor in uh, poor areas. He said bottled water is actually a minimal user of groundwater. Better solutions would come from determining how to get clean water into areas struggling with access, said Mr. K. He says, quote, it narrows the focus on what I imagine is good intent. The Coca-Cola Company, a leading provider of bottled water with the Dasani brand, or Dasani brand, recognizes the serious nature of water issues and is working on several community initiatives in developing countries, said their spokesperson. From our perspective, she says, water solutions require the efforts of multiple organizations, nonprofits, governments, community organizations, and the like. I hope we'd work toward the same purpose of making water safe, access, uh, safe water accessible to all people of the world. So if you go with what now, this I, woman's saying... I think that's great. Yeah. I, it, according to this lady, they actually care about poor people. So wait, you mean the fact that they're selling water at a profit also doesn't contradict the fact that they could also care about the poor and maybe help them out, maybe with some of their profits? Sure. I mean, that's that's a great thing about profits is that... People can give them away once they make them. Right. Uh, Coca-Cola and the Dasani people could go and uh, take some of their ill-gotten profits and take it over to one of these countries, these arid lands with very little water, and essentially set up, uh, you know, give them some free water or something like that and get themselves some press coverage. Hey, look, we're over here giving people water for free. Thanks for buying our brand. You know, yep. that's an easy way to get some positive press, it help happened, people that are in need, and it, help your business. It happened with Walmart during the Katrina event. Well, they tried. They attempted to give water, and they got some press coverage on it. Uh, of course, they couldn't give water because FEMA hadn't, uh, it, the, the proper amount of bureaucrats hadn't inspected it and stamped it and uh, approved it ahead of time. So they had they turned the trucks around and sent them away. You know, when I was in uh, Haiti, uh, it probably been five years ago um, that I was there, their number one problem is potable water. Mm. They have a very difficult time. You know, they can get water. It's just not drinkable. Yeah, it's just not drinkable. And I, you know, I mean, am I responsible now? If those those people have a right to water, am I responsible for providing them with water? You, the American, living in another country, who cares? If they have a right to it, they have a right to it, and they should be able to get it. Now, I have got the right to speak, and you should be able to do nothing to stop me from speaking, at least on my own property. So, they there should be nothing to stop these people from getting their water. They're welcome to go get their water as long as they're not stealing it from somebody, as far as I'm concerned. Listen to this. Rebecca Barnes-Davies, coordinator of Presbyterians for Restoring Creation, said bottled water companies encourage a culture in the U.S. that's comfortable with privatizing a basic human right. She says she hopes uh, boycotting bottled water will put pressure on bottled water companies to behave responsibly in the U.S. and the rest of the world. Quote, as people of faith, we don't and shouldn't pretend to have ownership of any resource. Mm. So I was right, Mark. This is just the first she's uh, a, part. She's a you know one of those real tried and true socialists. Yep, it's C- gods. We have to be the best steward we can be of all of those resources. Well, look here, Barnes Davies. Uh, the best way to be a steward of a resource is to privately own it. I just wonder if um, she's got a house and if she would mind me coming in that house that's built out of resources that are mine you know like i was i was born here god gave those resources to me lady can i go tramping into your house say i have to use the bathroom while i'm in your house and mm-hmm. i decide yeah i'm not going to use the bathroom itself i'm going to go right on your middle of your sofa am i <laughs> disrespecting your property or are all those resources you know, mine to use. Yeah. <laughs> it's God gave them to us. All right, so if you want to protect your couch and if you want to protect the water, then own it. God gave us property. 
800-259-9231. You can take control of the airways if you are somebody who thinks that water is a right. Maybe you can explain it to us. Or more is on the way about whatever's on your mind if you take control. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, number 800-259-9231, Christmas weekend edition of the show. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, including the Shrine of Female Listeners. We've got dozens of ladies that have sent us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. You can see what I mean by going to shrine.freetalklive.com. And ladies, you can uh, submit your picture for the Shrine. I believe I've got one or two submissions sitting in my email box, Mark, that I just Ooh. haven't gotten to yet. I'm, I've got something like 100 unread emails that I haven't even gotten to, so do bear with me if I've yet to catch up to yours. Um, so shrine.freetalklive.com. As we go to your You've got something, Mark, about low taxes and, I guess, good results from having low taxes. What do you, what do you it's, have? It's a, you know, an article from uh, Matthew Lander. Um, he's the uh, vice president of research for the Goldwater Institute out in Phoenix. And I just thought it was really great. <clears throat> it's entitled, Want to Reduce Poverty? Lower Those Tax Rates. Building a strong economy and helping the poor means keeping taxes and government spending low. When the U.S. ended welfare as we know it in 1996, it handed responsibility to reform to the states. In so doing, it also created a real-world test of two competing economic strategies used to fight poverty. The results are in, and the lessons are clear. Low tax rates lift up the um, the lives of Americans' poor. Many people argue that uh, the government can reduce poverty by redistributing the wealth through progressive taxation, imposing higher tax rates on higher income brackets, and through more government spending. Most economists, however, say the best way to reduce poverty is through stronger economic growth. Growth means more jobs, a sure-fire anti-poverty plan. Building a strong economy means build, um, keeping taxes and government spending low. So it, um, there's a couple of steps in logic right there in that last paragraph. Basically, if you want to help, um, help poor people, you need to grow the economy. If you want to grow the economy, you need to keep taxes low. Okay, I'm with you. Okay, okay. Just want to make sure you got me. A study published last month by the Goldwater Institute, How to Win the War on Poverty, an analysis of state poverty trends, tests these different theories by examining state poverty rates from 1990 to 2000. By the way, one of the reasons why the economy doesn't grow if there's a lot of taxes around, or the higher the taxes, the less the economy grows, is because if there's taxes, it cuts into your profits. Right. It cuts into your take-home pay. And if you don't have as much take-home pay, you don't have as many profits, then you can't reinvest as much. You can't create new wealth. You can't create new jobs. You can't expand your business. You can't expand your uh, services, your products. So you have to you pretty much stay stagnant if you're even able to stay in business at all. And you're not incentivized to go out and earn money. If, uh... Because, you know, if you get into that next uh, bracket, you're going to get taxed more. It's true. Nationwide states took great strides in reducing both general and childhood poverty. Poverty fell by 5.3% and childhood poverty by 9.4%. 9.4%. Some states, however, reduced poverty much more than others, while some states suffered large increases. Take Colorado. It reduced its childhood poverty rate by almost 27%. Meanwhile, Rhode Island's childhood poverty rate increased by almost the same amount. What accounts for those differences? 
Using data from the Census Bureau, the report found that states with the lowest tax rates enjoyed sizable decreases in poverty. For example, the 10 states with the lowest um, total state and local tax burdens saw an average poverty reduction of 13%, two times better than the national average. The 10 highest tax states, meanwhile, suffered an average increase of poverty of 3%, an increase of 3% versus a decrease of 13%. Yeah. Now, um, taxes for states come in all kinds of different uh, forms. It could be sales tax that goes to the state. Property tax. Property taxes. Some of that goes to the state. Um, you know, there's the tourist income tax. tax. Uh, it, states have income tax. There's all kinds of different taxes. Sure. This Meal takes, tax. This takes in, includes everything. Some high, st- um, t- some high tax states, such as California, Hawaii, and New York, suffered catastrophic increases in poverty. Mm-hmm. As California began to reject the low-tax legacy of the Re- Reagan governorship, the state's poverty rate jumped 13% in the 1990s. 13. It's incredible. And, you know, people think they're helping kids. They think they're helping the poor by doing this stuff. With but welfare, really, you mean? Yeah, all they're doing is creating middle-class bureaucrat jobs. You're creating middle-class bureaucrat jobs, and you're also encouraging the poor people to stay poor. I mean, because when you're on welfare, you're getting that check coming in every single month, whether or not you're doing anything. And, in fact, in some cases, if you go out and get a job, the welfare cuts off. And in many cases, the job that you start at is paying less than the welfare check was. So the people that are on welfare have no incentive whatsoever to get, ever get off of welfare. And you aren't going to get rich on welfare, that's for sure. It, it, that is true. You know, if, 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 it's, if it's acceptable to redistribute wealth um, by force um, with the government... Then why not is why isn't it acceptable in these uh, wealth redistributors' minds to just simply print out more cash? Like, hey, turn on the printing press. We're already using it at the federal level, the Federal Reserve. You know, ca- printing out the cash, buying mm-hmm. bombs and weapons and that sort of thing. Why not just print on the turn on the printing presses and just give every American hundreds of thousands of dollars? Wouldn't that solve the problem? That'd be that'd solve everything, wouldn't it? No, it would inflate the economy like you wouldn't believe. The money wouldn't be worth crap. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be super hyperinflation, and it, and it doesn't work. You, the, the pie is not finite. These people believe... Oh, it is finite. <laughs> the pie? The wealth not pie? Infinite. No, it's not. The, uh, oh, I see what you're saying. The pie I'm, is not finite. The wealth pie. For instance, there's all, there, right now, there's so much money out there in the world, but that's not what wealth is. No. Uh, wealth is uh, a variety of different things. Uh, wealth, I've heard described, like, for instance, if you want to figure out how wealthy you are, you, sh- um, you can kind of uh, take, a, you could take a look at how long you can sustain your lifestyle after you quit your job Yeah. to really determine how wealthy you truly are. Um, wealth is a conflagration, uh, conflagration of factors, including the things that you have mm-hmm. and the money that you have. And the services that you regularly take for granted, like air conditioning, the things that you don't normally even consider things. Like when you think of a thing, you think of a car or a Mm -hmm. house. But all of the other things that go into uh, that makeup are also wealth. So we're a much more wealthy country than many other countries who don't have these uh, trappings of, of the life that we have here in the United States. And that wealth pie constantly increases. At least the lower taxes are, the more the wealth pie increases because new products and new services are being created at all times. But the people who believe in wealth redistribution don't understand this. And they believe that the wealth that exists is it. The wealth that exists is all there is, and they must take some from others in order to give to those who don't have it. They don't understand that as those who have more wealth continue to reinvest their wealth, they create more wealth for everyone, and it trickles down all the way to the bottom levels. These people just don't get that concept. 
some will be quick to dismiss um, the consequence of the um, the California uh, low tax legacy, or excuse the California state's poverty rate jumping to 13 percent on illegal immigration. But lower tax border states such as Arizona and Texas had substantial declines in poverty while also experiencing large increases in immigration. So uh, that that doesn't hold water. In fact, California's high taxation has been so damaging to the economy that other increases, like the one in the 1990s, would result in property exceeding Mississippi's um, by 2010. Wow. Um, it would, excuse me, the poverty would be exceeding Mississippi's by 2010. Can you imagine? California's going to go from one of the richest states in America to one of the poorest if they um, continue this sort of downward climb. Government has, uh, government's policies have tremendous deleterious effects. They do. On your freedom and the economy. When a state has a low tax burden, economic growth is stronger. Economic growth delivers more job creation and higher per capita median family incomes. Economic growth is a powerful means to pull people out of poverty. Though some policymakers justify high taxes for the sake of the poor, the data shows that higher taxes and related spending do little to reduce poverty rates. Rather, states with healthy economic climates have much more success lifting people out of poverty. If you don't believe that's true... That economic freedom allows for um, less poverty. If you don't believe it's true, compare poor people in America to poor people in Africa. Compare poor people in America today to poor people in America 200 years ago. Yeah. Compare poor people in America today to rich people in America 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. And look at all of the wonderful things that poor people have as a result of the somewhat free market that we've had for the past few years in the United States. We've uh, Poor people today have telephones, they've got televisions. Telephones, they got co color TVs, they, they got, have cars. I mean, yeah. mm, poor people in America, not so poor. They've got access to supermarkets now, where there they are can go and buy cheap in, food. In, in America that, that have trouble making ends meet, but a lot of times that's some things they do themselves, too. But the and point is, the freedom buoys us all it up does, together. Really. More's on the way. You take control of the airwaves. Bill in Indianapolis wants to talk about the Federal Reserve. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. It is your show. It's Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. Only moments remain. Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. The toll-free packet 8 line. It is the... Christmas weekend edition of Free Talk Live. Ian here with you. And Mark. Only moments are in, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then we invite you to our website. And we invite you to experience it for free. Because those other talk show hosts, those radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their site. We give it all away. And I might uh, suggest that our site is more extensive for free than those other guys' paid sites are. Check it out, freetalklive.com. And if you like it, then head over to amp.freetalklive.com. stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote, amp.freetalklive.com. And become a Free Talk Live amplifier like over 300 of our listeners have become because they support the show and they want to um, put their money where their mouths are, so to speak, or their ears are, I guess. Uh, it's $3 a month, and the idea is simple. Since it's voluntary, we're taking that $3 a month in and we're turning it around into promoting the show, getting in the show on more radio stations around the country, getting more people to experience the message of freedom and liberty. And if that's important to you, you should go to amp.freetalklive.com and learn more about the AMP program. As we go to the phones and to the fun, to Bill in Indianapolis, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, let's get rid of the Federal Reserve. How do you gentlemen feel about Hooray. that? Hooray! It can't be done soon enough, Bill. Why do you say that, though? Well, I don't like the way they keep manipulating uh, interest rates. 
you know, they, they raise them and they raise them and they raise them, and eventually they'll get to the point where they find out they raised them too much, and then they'll end up trying to push them down, push them down, push them down, and then they'll push them down too much. And that's all they do is just give them something to do. You know, it, they, they certainly uh, they, they fiddle with things, um, and, and it's bothersome, but I don't think that's the worst thing that the Federal Reserve does. But before we go on with what the Federal Reserve does... Why do they have to fiddle with interest rates? Why can't we have the marketplace decide interest rates based on competition? What what on what what's the reasoning for it anyways? What's their excuse with the interest rates thing? Well, I don't know. I think they try to uh, micromanage the economy. Every little every little thing they try to manipulate it. Maybe it's for political reasons, I don't know. Well, I think they want a, the economy to the, I think they want a certain level of inflation, um but just a small amount to to you know sort of make people's property look what like it's becoming What do you consider small? What do you mean? I'd like, you know, 3, 5%, something like well, that. Well, I mean, the uh, the M3 numbers, they stopped publishing those this mm-hmm. year. And according to, I mean, if you look at the government's inflation numbers, then you'll think that it's 2 to 3%. Yeah. But let's not look at the government's inflation numbers. Let's look at some alternative numbers. Uh, the there's been a guy. There was a guy that recalculated M3. Now M3 is a is an old number that the Federal Reserve, the Feds, uh, were coming up with to show the inflation of the money supply in various different areas, not just in printed money, but a variety of different um, inflations. And they found that it has increased from 8% to 9.6% since they stopped publishing the numbers. That's a 20% increase in less than a year's time. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the most accurate number either, but it's certainly a lot different than the federal government's 3% number or 2% number, whatever it is they're publishing now. It's hard to know um, because they, they try to obscure these things as much as they possibly can. I mean, the uh, the consumer price index is just nonsense. Um, it doesn't include fuel. It doesn't include housing. It doesn't include food. You know, all the important things to sustaining life mm-hmm. doesn't include those. It includes plastic crap you can buy at Walmart. So not only is the Fed bad for manipulating interest rates, but also, Bill, as you're probably aware... The Fed just is the printing press uh, for the United States government. It just cranks out uh, dollars, and it it puts them into circulation, thereby creating inflation and devaluing all of our savings. That makes sense. It makes it makes. Go ahead. I don't don't mean to cut off or anything. I I just want to give somebody else a chance in the final few minutes. Can I go ahead and listen to your show? Thanks, Bill. Oh, you can always listen to the show. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Bill. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Though it's uh, I guess Christmas weekend, kind of slow on the phones. Yeah, it is. It has been. But uh, I would have to agree with with Bill. I'd like to get rid of the Federal Reserve just as soon as possible. It's so bad because it empowers the government to be. Bad. I mean, the the Federal Reserve gives them money even when they can't get it from you. So, like, if all of a sudden all of Americans or even a good chunk of Americans tomorrow morning decided, we've had it with you, government, we're withholding our taxes from you. Because there's a few Americans out there that are doing that right now as a protest, like the We the People organization at uh, wethepeople.org. But if, if a good, sizable chunk of Americans decided to say, Forget you, IRS. We're not sending you anything this year. If a bunch of business owners decided to say, flip off, we're no longer withholding any of our employees' dollars from their paychecks. Well, the IRS would just simply call up the Federal Reserve or whoever it was, the Treasury guy or whoever. Somebody would make a phone call and say, 
look, man, we need some extra guys. We need some extra cash. Turn those printing presses into overdrive. The American people aren't sending us money anymore. And so they'd say, OK, turn on the uh, printing presses. And then they'd spend that money on whatever it is that the government spends their money on. And, and that, that would be hyper. Trickled- that would be hyperinflation if that happened. Well, it, tri- it would trickle down into, uh, you know, the rest of our pockets and destroy the, uh, the, the savings that we have. That's what inflation is. It's, uh, it's a hidden tax. And it's the worst kind of tax because you can't get away from it. The only way you could avoid the tax of inflation is to not use Federal Reserve notes, to that, not use the greenbacks that are sitting in your wallet right now. That would in be your very difficult account. to uh, operate without using Federal Reserve notes. It would be very difficult. It's a possibility, but pretty improbable at this point. I mean, there are alternative currencies like the Liberty Dollar at dollar.freetalklive.com. You can learn more about that. So if everybody started using alternative currencies, then the Federal Reserve note would wither up and die. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. And it's not going to go without a fight. You can believe that. They're already fighting. They're yeah. already trying to shut down the Liberty Dollar. They don't like the competition. They understand that when people get the uh, get a piece of silver put into their hand, they look at it and they, they realize that it's real. You can tell that a piece of silver is real, like the Liberty Dollar, mm-hmm. compared to the greenbacks or the funny money, the coinage that the federal government puts out. And so the Federal Reserve has to go away for a variety of reasons. But I would say the number one reason is because they print money with absolutely nothing backing it. And it's called a fiat currency. And there's a lot of people that don't, just don't understand this. There's a lot of people that graduate from government high school. This is not an issue that is broached uh, in government high school. And it's really one of the most important issues of our time. And it's been going on for almost an entire uh, century now. People are... Uh, the fiat currency. Basically, they're, they're completely uneducated in this. They think that we went off the gold standard in the 60s. Mm-hmm. No, we didn't. We went the off the 30s. gold standard in 19, 1913, um, I believe it was. I think they, they, fully, they fully yanked it in 1934, somewhere in the, the mid-30s. There's, there's certainly been some steps along the way because the American public would have had a fit if yeah. it was all done at once. And, uh, you know, with the Federal Reserve Act, I believe that was passed in 1913, and mm-hmm. then, yes, um, it was. you know, there were different levels of it. Uh, Roosevelt... Uh, um, confiscated all the gold, basically. Americans aren't allowed to own gold anymore. And then finally, when uh, we went off the uh, international gold standard in the 60s, well, then they said, eh, sure, you can own gold because it doesn't matter because our money isn't backed by anything any- now anyway. So you know, people are completely uneducated. They think that gold, um, you know, gold standard uh, on the, the coinage is going to cause hyper or it's going to cause some kind of inflation or deflation. But the fact is, that's it's real. And people trade, you know, something that's real for goods and services, then it's going to be a very steady, very um, stable sort of economy. Right. And if the government, if we're operating in America with, uh, if we still have the government by the time we get rid of the Federal Reserve, of course, we'd have to have a major paradigm shift, I think, to get rid of the Federal Reserve in the first place. But presuming the government is still around at that point in a much smaller capacity, they won't be able to grow as fast as they currently are. Because, because they can't print their own money. Right, because they'll have to actually get the money from you somehow right. before they can spend it on anything else. Today, they can spend it on whatever they want at whatever cost they want to because right. of the printing press. Imagine how this war in Iraq would have gone if the government had to go to the American people and raise the $500 billion yeah. that, it's going to, that it's taken so far to, um, you know, to, to do this war. They couldn't. They couldn't do it. No. There would, we wouldn't have military in other countries if it weren't for the Federal Reserve. We, we would have a military here as a defensive force at most if we didn't have the Federal Reserve. Yeah. 
because Americans wouldn't stand for what they're currently standing for. They can't do anything about it today. Americans can protest in the streets, and the fat boys in Washington, D.C. can just sit there and chuckle about it as yeah. they turn on the printing press. They've got crank complete out another, control of the money. Fr- crank out another $50 million and spend it on some more bombs. And then when they spend it on the bombs, the defense, the defense providers, the contractors, take that money in, they pay it out to their employees, and that's when it starts to trickle down into the rest of the economy. And it screws with everything. And people just don't understand this. It's so bad for our way of life. And, of course, it makes people think that there's good things happening when they see the price of their house going up. Ooh, my real estate investments are doing so great. No, no, that's just an indicator that your money's being devalued, people. I'd have to agree. Now, I'm not going to say that the real estate market didn't... uh um, d- didn't go up. I mean, there was some there was in- some increase in value there, but it was also a great indicator of how much inflation was really happening mm-hmm. because the real property in- doubled uh, practically. Um, there's real estate. You know, this is stuff they can't produce anymore of gold, real estate, these kind of commodities. Those things went up um, a great deal in the last five years. It's all bad news when it comes to uh, the money situation in this country. And there's not any indication that it's going to change anytime soon, unless people can get educated about it and demand a change. Which, again, most people aren't talking about this issue. Talk radio, not discussing it. National television, not even coming close to broaching it. Spinny in here with you. And Mark. Hey, we'll be doing a live Christmas show, so be joining us online at freetalklive.com. Have a great weekend. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 